As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. Since we last recorded... A sneakily significant amount of Chiefs things happened, I think. You might be able to hear in my voice the hesitation. Because I'm not sure if the order of the Chiefs games is necessarily breaking news. I'm not sure if a trade for a former first-round draft pick, who, I mean, who busted it in Minnesota for being on I don't know if that's huge news. I don't know if rookie minicamp happening is huge news. But it's all stuff that we can talk about. And for that reason, I am incredibly grateful. And those are a whole bunch of things that we will talk about over the course of today's Times Ours here on The Athletic. I'm Joshua Briscoe, Nate Taylor, and Seth Kaiser. Nate, how was it feeling to be out there and watching the Chiefs run rookie minicamps with not enough <laughs> offensive linemen for a full <laughs> offensive line? Um, it's, it was, it, it's, a, it's a great time to be back. Uh, I guess at the Chiefs practice facility for like, you know, a hot second. Uh, guys, uh, training camp. I, I just, I just want to, just want our listeners who are not in their vehicles mm. to just close their eyes and envision mm-hmm. ninety five degrees, mm. but a but a slight breeze. <laughs> you hear the whistle, then you hear some hopefully. Kind of old hip hop beats, <laughs> and Andy saying, "All right, everybody, everybody working," and then like cheers and applause, and just the idea of training camp back in our lovely Saint Joseph. Uh, it's 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 probably gonna happen, guys. Um, look, I watched what was it, twenty nine guys. <laughs> and about 10 of them mattered. So look, it's just it's just that little it's just that little bite before you know the main dish is coming. We hope that main dish is in St. Joseph, weirdly enough. Shout out to Missouri Western, I guess. But I mean, it's nice to know that they did something over the weekend that they did not do last year. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is progress. So um if you if you kindly would just a recommendation, you know, hopefully you can get your vaccination shots. Uh, 
Yes, the card does not fit in your wallet, but it does fit in your purse, ladies. Um, <laughs> or your backpacks, gentlemen. Uh, and then just bring those things to St. Joseph because not only are they selling tickets, Josh, uh, they're probably going to have training camp and they're doing things that they weren't doing last year. So all in all, just an amazing time. I closed my eyes and envisioned that and I immediately started sweating and then realizing that I'm probably going to go to that one Arby's in St. Joe like five times this summer and uh, it's not, none of this is good for my body. You know, this is not, I don't know if any of this news is good for my health, although maybe it's good for my soul, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we get St. Joseph, guys, we get Seth back. Oh, wow. <laughs> Seth, we go get some authentic Kansas City barbecue, get you that, get you that brisket sandwich from that Arby's in St. Joe, baby. I feel like going to that Arby's will break an unwritten rule. Yeah. That Tyreek Hill might be the best deep threat in NFL history. Now, that's how you tie together a bunch of topicals, topics, guys, right there. We have just gone over what's been on Twitter the last two days. Yes. You're welcome. Two, two, two days. I, I feel like this Tyreek Hill thing, by the time we're recording this podcast, it's been a, a Twitter topic for like three hours or something. Can I? Can I? Do you go guys mind it. if we start there real quick? Do you mind go real quick? For, go for it. I'm going to break you off a piece real fast. So somebody at Pro Football Focus, God bless him, said, like, Tyree Kill might be the best deep threat ever. And a whole bunch of people were like, yo, did you forget Randy Moss played football? And I get it. Here's the thing. Here's my controversial take, everybody. I think Tyree Kill and Randy Moss are really good at football. <laughs> like, so good. Like, maybe <clears throat> one and two. And if you're a Chiefs fan, you're like, Tyree Kill's the best receive, deep, re- receiving threat in the history of the sport. I'm going to be like, all right, cool. If somebody says, no, it's Randy Moss, you're an idiot, Randy Moss, the number one deep deep threat in the history of the NFL, I'm going to say, all right, cool. (laughs) I am so tired. And the NBA playoffs are here and all of this now. So it all ties together for me. I am so tired of overlooking the best athletes of our time for the sake of comparing them to dudes who have been retired for many years. I don't care. I, I, you cannot make, I don't care about LeBron and Jordan. I don't care about Tyree <laughs> Kill and Randy Moss. Those guys were the best things in their era. These guys are the best things in this era. And I don't want to compare eras that bad. I just don't care. I just want to watch you, you, good you athletes know, be good at sports. You, you know who was always open? A man named Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, always really open. good at football. What what if what if I what if I told you Jerry Rice was better than all the dudes combined? Because he I'd say okay. always open, always. I'd open. say that's a reasonable take by a reasonable <laughs> man, but I don't really care. So, <laughs> so first of all, Jerry Rice is the goat at receiver, and you can talk about who is better at peaks. Yeah, that's right, Josh. We're diving in. I don't um, care though. He had two <laughs> Hall of Fame careers. Just And then also, anytime you start talking about who had the greatest career in any sport ever, it's pretty much always Wayne Gretzky. Um, look up his stats sometime. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's like what Babe Ruth did like back in 1919. But they had televisions well, back then, kids. Gretzky was doing it on TV. It's the craziest stuff. Thank God they had televisions back in the day when Wayne Gretzky was skating around dudes twice before scoring. Just cause he yeah, could. yeah. He's just like, ah. Like, he'd be the NHL's all-time leader in points if he never scored a goal. That's the dumbest stat I've ever heard in my life. That was But insane. anyway, I think, Josh, you're right. And I'm going to take it one step farther here. 
we we love to compare eras and the reality is you know a lot of sports fandom and sports media is we we see a lot of these right these comparison things um also jordan over lebron so whatever um and i don't anyone who who's under the age of Nate what's the age cutoff here 30 uh yeah it's got to be like 29 if you were born at a certain month but yeah. but i but you know he's closed the gap lebron is like if someone believes it's lebron i ain't going to argue with him like i don't want to get in the time machine but if one existed i would just like to go 15 years from now and see what skits on snl and other various you know parody <laughs> accounts will they be making about LeBron James's documentary. <laughs> it's going to be so long. It's going it to be is. so well, long. He, you're you're Jordan, leaving out the possibility Jordan. that he's still going to be playing at that point. And look, still like the best player in the league. Look, Bill Russell is the Old Testament, kids. He is literally <laughs> the Old Testament. He's All your right? Moses. But, but LeBron might write an entire Bible on his own. Okay? <laughs> and that's, and that's because, and look, I love LeBron. Super great player. Uh, we do not know the result yet of LeBron versus Steph and the L.A. Lakers versus the Golden State Steph Currys uh, tonight. As a, <laughs> as a Phoenix Suns fan who's got his team sitting at the two seed right there, I'm pissed. I'm so mad. Yeah, that that doesn't seem really fair that like <laughs> you got to play one of those two. You know but, what? Okay. Seth, that's a great point. It really doesn't. <laughs> they should do something about that. Chris Paul. Who who does Chris Paul have to like? Like he's got to pay the refs. He's got to pay. St- like silver, he's got to do it all. All, all this is to say, kids, is that we enjoy sports, and it's great to talk about it. We we're, we're gonna get back to the Chiefs shortly. I just want to tell you that, um, I just, I just, I just want to see like they're still making fun of the Michael Jordan documentary a year after the fact. Okay, yeah. so um, Jordan is the goat. There's no, there's no complaining here. I'm sorry, kids. Um, just as has, I know he, I know he came back from a three, one deficit. I know, I know they were 73 and nine. I get it. Just ask Clyde Drexler. Who's better. (laughs) Whoever you're, you know, you know what? I haven't uh, quoted scripture in a while here. You know, you were to fear, not the one who can kill the body, but can kill the soul. Mm. And Michael Jordan killed people's souls. Yeah. And so biblically, Michael Jordan's the one to fear, and if you want to argue with the Bible, that's on you. Yep, you and, and we and none of us, the three of us, are not doing that. Well, listen, <laughs> listen, not gonna do listen, that. How many? I don't know how many. I don't know how many championships Jordan won in freaking Cleveland, but whatever. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> let's talk about the promised land again a little bit. I don't know. Hey, no, uh, noted noted basketball hotspot Chicago in the mid eighties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they were getting all the free agents in the eighties. Uh, the the fun the fun the fun thing was that. Uh, by the way, kids, free agency wasn't really a thing in the eighties. Anyway, it was uh, not. <laughs> I hope you hope you caught that joke. the The understanding is it is the la- is the last thing I'll say. Uh, Lord, we praise you, heaven, heaven and above. Um, Amen. Look, I, I just. I don't think Steph Curry is gonna come. I don't don't think Steph Curry is gonna come out and say, "I told Riley he he better than me." Um, (laughs) Charles Barkley told his child, "Nah, he better." (laughs) Nah, he did. He just better. He snatched souls. So 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 if Dirk Nowitzki's gonna say that, if 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 you know Steph's gonna say that, if Kevin Durant's gonna say that, then someone send me the link. Someone send me the link. It hadn't happened yet. See, you you get it. 
what I was going to say, we got sidetracked. I can't believe how far we got on this. <laughs> yes, we were, we're so far in this. But so there is, there is a, there's a legitimate point to be made here about the way we talk about sports yes. in 2021. Yeah. Everything is not coverage for not, – not all the time, but for a lot of us. And I include myself in this because I get caught up in it all the time. Everything feels not like coverage for the sake of coverage or discussion for the sake of discussion – like, it's not like, hey, here's all this research I did to present to you some really interesting statistics that show what a good player X player is, right? It's always to prove someone wrong. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's one thing that has actually genuinely bummed me out over the last few years where it feels like before the season, like, say, we'll take this NFL season, for example, you had everyone freaking out about arguing about the trade for Orlando Brown for the Chiefs. See, I'm bringing it around to the Chiefs. Um, it took us 10 minutes, but we're here. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, everyone, so there was a huge argument where, like, you know, some people loved the trade. Some people hated it because, you know, you were giving up too much value. And so you end up getting, like, sides in the issue, right? Like the I only care about what's on the field side versus the salary cap side versus the to paint way too broad a brush analytics side, you know, all that stuff, right? And now every single thing that happens during the season, the people that took strong stances on that, are going to circle it back to those arguments. And that drives me crazy and makes me sad, even though I'm part of the problem here because I do it too and I should be better. But I think that's where you get like these like greatest discussions. And that's why people can't just say, man, Tyreek Hill is awesome as a deep threat and as good a deep threat as I've watched consistently in terms of actually looking at the All-22. I never really looked at Randy Moss's all 22, so I don't know. And people struggle with the I don't know because everything's got to be a debate. And now that this has been a debate for a day or maybe we'll see, maybe Hill keeps crushing it for a few years and it becomes more and more of a debate. And then you end up to where you can never, ever talk about one player without talking about the debate. And that's kind of sad. Yeah, that, that's why that's why it's the LeBron thing for me, because, because no like the player that comes up in conversation with LeBron the most is not any former teammate, is not any current teammate, is right. not any coach, it's not any organization. The 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 name that is word association game with LeBron James is Michael Jordan. And that sucks. And I don't want to do that for Tyreek Hill. I don't want to do that for Patrick Mahomes. I don't need Patrick Mahomes Tom Brady takes to enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes play football and and Maybe you'll eventually find me on a, in a, a, a situation where I will take on an argument like that because I really think it's worthwhile. But if you're splitting hairs about some of these things, you're, you're ultimately going to be so focused on splitting those hairs that you're going to miss the fact that you're, you are looking right through generational talents doing generational things, uh, because you're too busy looking back 20 years to say that some guy that you watched before was actually better. It's just, yeah. it just seems like a miserable way to go about watching and discussing sports. Can, can I do a can I do a, a drive by sidebar? I'd love that. I'd love that. <laughs> I I kind of know who you are as a sports fan in modern context about mm-hmm. your opinion about insanity. Like, ooh, how you feel about insanity kind of tells me about how you feel as a sports fan in relationship to both what Seth and Josh just said. Because, um, you should just look at it for what it is, which is. Honestly, one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in the modern era. But a lot of people want to look outside of that and say it's, you know, it's not what it is. So um, 
look, uh, we're going to talk about the Chiefs, I promise. But I think in the larger frame context of this discussion, um, for like 30 seconds, just think about Linsanity. Think about how insane that time was. And that is the beauty of sports. Literally checks off every box. Yeah. Every box. That's a really... Man, I didn't take 30 seconds and I apologize. That's a really good point. <laughs> it would be bad radio if you did. Yeah, that would be bad radio. It wasn't that for would you. be it, it's like it's like, yeah, it's like in church where it's like we're gonna take some silence now to consider things. It gets quiet and it's like, man, I wonder wonder what sins everyone else is thinking of, you know, or whatever. It's just awkward. <laughs> All right, here we go. Who's got a fire? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get this moving. Let's get this moving. I started thinking. Um but no, it really, we can't enjoy things just for the thing. Like, I, I want to write about Jamal Charles again soon, and the Hall of Fame debate becomes a big thing. Even, like, silly things because of, and there's a bunch of reasons for this one, but, like, the fact that Tim Tebow, who is not an NFL quarterback, managed to, like, win multiple games in a row <laughs> on a team that had to alter their entire offense like it was a wide receiver playing quarterback or something, that could be something we just look at and say, <laughs> that was weird, and mm-hmm. laugh. But instead, it all becomes part of this larger debate. And I don't know. I, 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 I'm wearing thin on that. So, Josh, I'm right there with you with how you very calmly presented that mm-hmm. you've perhaps had enough of such discussions. <laughs> and our way of raging against that particular machine is spending, oh, oh, 15 minutes on it. Well, <laughs> that backfired. Let's, let's talk about some of the chief stuff that happened. Uh, we, we, we did talk about, mercifully, a little bit about minicamp, a little bit about St. Joe and uh, visualizing that future. But, Nate, that's that's sort of the most recent thing that's happened, and I'll, I'll go chronological for the time being. Right. We're out there. You saw Lucas Niang. You heard about – you heard Randy Reid talk about Lucas Niang. You heard Lucas Niang talk. You probably saw, weirdly, from some Saturday morning, like four Twitter accounts that you should all – all of you, you – can you hear me, everybody? All of you should stop following. Just stop it. If somebody if somebody tweeted Lucas Niang is clearly vastly overweight and that changes my projections for this seat, unfollow that account. It's bad Twitter. Just don't do it. Uh, but you're out there. Andy Reid said he was in better shape than he was the year before. Yes. You'd written already about him working through the offseason. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Lucas Niang right now is a, a pretty important sort of linchpin in, in what the Chiefs want to do and, and also in this conversation of this last week or so. Yeah, he is the most important chief that was on the field i know that that may be that may be slightly controversial just because yes you have six new rookies to sort of see for the first time your sort of first glimpses your impressions of them based on obviously you know what you read and saw uh through the draft process but i mean niang like as i said before uh the chiefs had a second round grade on niang because of medical stuff he fell to the third um you don't draft somebody with a second round grade, not for them to start pretty soon in their career. Mm -hmm. Um, They do have a bit of insurance with Mike Rimmers and Mike Rimmers, as we like to acknowledge played very well last year. It's just, it it, it ended horribly Mm -hmm. um, because he was asked to do too much. And sometimes in all of our jobs, we're asked to do too much and it usually doesn't go well. So for Niang to, have as i wrote you know eight to nine months to really think about how he wants to approach this rookie season now that he gets essentially a second chance uh the fact that the nfl pa in the nfl basically understood that hey for these rare rookies that opt out 
they can participate in this rookie mini camp, which is really important because uh, it allows Andy Reid to see what he has in the immediate and what Niang needs to focus on before we hope we're all in St. Joe for training camp because I think Niang is the projected starter in my mind based on everything that I've kind of understand from the team. He looked really good. Uh, Andy Reid said he had beautiful feet. I was not prepared for that quote, y'all. I was not. He's a big man with beautiful feet. Some some people caught some people caught the uh, the cleverness of my headline. And Brendan Roberts, my editor, was like, let's let it run, boys. Uh, I said he had a robust return. Clearly, I was aware <laughs> of the implications of such I a word. I missed it, dude. I totally missed it. Um, all right, right now. Chiefs, I'm going to read I'm gonna read the headline here real quick. Yeah, read Chiefs the headline. camp takeaways. Top pick Nick Bolton starts fast. Lucas Niang's robust return. Robust. Man, now, for, Nate, for, you were doing a lot with the headline there. Writer, I was, I was, and I just want to remind people: the definition of robust, strong, and healthy, vigorous is one of the first words that comes up when vigorous. you want to find somewhere to align with robust. So, um, some people like to think sexual in that context. We are not here for that. Um, <laughs> some people like to think more in the girth manner. I'm not here for that either. I'm just saying he had a robust, strong and healthy rookie mini camp, um, which is factual. So, look, Lucas Niang was very good. Uh, they did not do one-on-one blocking. They did not. He didn't really block anybody. But for understanding his, you know, I asked a very direct question to him, and he gave a very direct answer, and I appreciated him for this. But it's clear that there's a lot of information when you start your first job. In any industry, no matter where you go. Even if you out here, like I was at 16, all right, I'm going to get this McDonald's check. I'm about to be a baller at the mall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what we going to do? Holy smokes, this is a lot. Just for McDonald's? Like, you got to look up. You're like, wait, we got to do what? So no matter where you go, uh, as a rookie, when you get drafted and then two weeks later you're on the field, you're like, oh, my God, this is moving really fast. And the coaches are like, Son, this is the slowest it's going to be for the rest of your career. So it was very clear that Lucas Niang was like, I knew my assignment. I knew the play calls. Now I just got to focus on technique. And that is really the key for him from now all the way through training camp and the preseason. How does this technique look and does it match up with the expectations and can he be on the field for week one against the Cleveland Browns? Because quietly enough. I'm ready for these Lucas Niang, Jadavian Clowney snaps. I'm ready. Mm. I never thought about that. That's a good point. Uh, Seth, anything you want to add? We've got plenty of stuff to get through here, so I don't know if there's anything else that you're keeping an eye on vis-a-vis Lucas Niang. We've, we've talked about him quite a bunch, and uh, I think justifiably. We we won't know until we see him play in preseason. And preseason is not important to really gauge the production of a player if they have preseason this year. Right. Or not to, to gauge the production of the team, right? You know, I don't really care about the final scores. I just don't. There's too way too many variables for that. Or variables, if what you want to say it correctly. Variables. <laughs> um, I got Mike Vrabel on the brain. <laughs> there's um, so many Mike Vrabels. To- uh, there's so many Vrabels. So there, there's a lot of variables that mm-hmm. determine how teams do. But individual players, you can get a decent look at during preseason. If they, in fact, have preseason training camp is a little bit tougher, um, 
you know, to really know you're, there's going to be people breathlessly talking about it. And I'm going to kind of shrug, I guess. I'm kidding. I'm going to write a ton about it. It's going to be really, <laughs> so excited for it. I'm so excited to go back to St. Joe's guys. I missed it so much last year. Um, but just keep an eye on him. If they do have preseason games, we'll know a little more because you can talk about how he's built or what he looks like, whatever. All that matters is how he moves. And that's it. It doesn't really matter. I mean, remember Willie Rofe in between snaps? Because I do. <laughs> like, oh. and Willie Rofe is one of my very favorite players of, of all time in Kansas City. And in between snaps, it's like that dude does not look like he's going to make it back to the huddle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. just like, no, he's too he's too big. He just, how he can't even move. And then the ball would snap, and it literally didn't matter who the guy was lined up across from him. He isn't just this gonna destroyed happen? them. I'm sorry. Isn't this gonna happen with Orlando Brown also? Like it's just these are these are two different. In fact, this is I got to give credit to our friend Matt Derrick who, who brought this up on the radio earlier this week. But like, th- like Lucas Niang and Orlando Brown Jr. are going to look very different than Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. Mm, they're they're very, built different, literally. Very different. Yeah, that's a great right. point. Yeah, I shouldn't have given Matt credit. I should have just taken that for myself. We all have our <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what what's up with that? Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's out of character for me. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, let's before we get to the schedule later on, we'll we'll get to. But I think this might be the most interesting thing that happened this week. The Chiefs, the Chiefs, boy, howdy! The what Rangers, is wrong with us today? I don't. Know. Well, we're super. We're both super drunk, and that's the first problem. <laughs> wait, uh, wait. <laughs> people are gonna believe that. <laughs> <laughs> if so, it would really put our entire podcasting career into a different context because I don't feel like this episode's been any worse than any other ones we've done. Right? Fair. Uh. Th- the Chiefs, and I'll pick it up here in three, two. Uh, the Chiefs traded for cornerback Mike Hughes, a former Minnesota Vikings corner. They, it was a, a late round pick swap deal. It was a sixth and a seventh swapping around. The Chiefs didn't actually lose a pick. They just moved back in next yeah. year's draft. He was the 30th overall pick in 2018 to the Vikings. Uh, he, he played one year at University of Central Florida after, I guess, transferring there and, and spent one year there and then uh, went to the draft. It was a first-round pick. It's a Brett Veach special, Nate, going and, and giving up very little draft capital for a former first-round pick and a guy yep. I'm sure they had a pretty good grade on whenever they were looking at him in 2018. Uh, now he is here. What do you what do you think about the move? Anything about Hughes? I, I've got some more info on him that I can give you in a second. Um, and, and also what this may or may not mean for the cornerback room. Yeah. Uh, Josh, can you, can you tell me what school did he play at again? Uh, UCF. Uh, where's that located? Is that in the South? It would be in the South. It'd be in the Floridian region, I believe. I'm, I'm going to say Central Florida. <laughs> Florida. Yeah, where, where did, where did, where did, uh, where did DeAndre Baker play? Boy, you know what, Nate? I'm just having a hard time putting the pieces together. Um, uh, where, where did Bo Peep Keys play? I believe, I believe in the South. You're, you're what? so stupid, Josh. I can't where, believe where, you can't where, get it. Where, where, where did Trevor Ford play? He, he mid-South. Mid-South. Mid, Beltway mid South. South. Yeah, Belt, Beltway South. Yeah. Uh, you know, I literally had never put this together. Like, I feel like the, a complete moron right now. You know. And, and what it, you're it, telling me, Bashad Breeland, Clemson, <laughs> he's coming back. Breeland's coming back, everybody. Hell yeah. 
the South is where we go get the corners. Now, um, this is to say that the scouting department feels good about it. Uh, you take a flyer, like you said, the pick exchange, it just it makes the Vikings feel like okay, we ain't gotta cut them. Okay. Right. right. Yep. <laughs> that's yep. that's the that's the essence of the trade, kids. Yep. Is the Vikings being like, how many people did we call? <laughs> okay. We can acknowledge this, but we got a pick back. It wasn't a complete disaster. Now, the Chiefs are always looking for taking somebody low and rebuilding them up, particularly at the cornerback position. You need bodies there. It makes all the sense in the world. A little bit of DeAndre Baker insurance, but I think he'll be I think he'll be a participant at some point in trading camp. Maybe not early, just because the team wants to ease the guys in. So again, this is kind of a projection, but like what's fascinating to me is they have deemed, and guys, it may change next year. It, they they actually might draft a quarterback in the second round next year. Okay, they they oh, actually might garbage. They you actually might do it. it. But <laughs> until then, the Brett Veach era has essentially been, oh, my scouts and coaches are better than y'all at this, mm-hmm. and um, we're gonna we're going to emotionally raise this person up. We're going to treat them like family. Andy is a player's coach, but we're going to work this individual. And then, hey, hopefully by November, and I know you don't want to hear that, ma'am. I know you don't want to hear that, sir. <laughs> but by November, hopefully Mr. Hughes is a valuable player that you can that you can play on, um, on a reasonable amount. I think this also signals, too, and I've mentioned his name before, and um, don't, don't, don't forget about him. But Rashad Fitton, y'all. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he comes South Carolina. Thank you. Coming towards yes. the end of his rookie contract, right? Mm-hmm. So just, you know, just keeps the ball rolling so that you feel like you have options beyond this season if everything works out. Um, Seth, you may know him more as a player. I like, I think he played against the Chiefs. I don't really remember him because Tyreek Hill was toasting dudes, but that's like a weekend occurrence. Yeah. Uh, even, with, even with Matt Moore on the field, y'all, he got mm. buckets. So, um, <laughs> look, I don't know. I don't know how he is on the field, but this is the Chiefs saying, wow, the Vikings were calling around and, and like, trying to get this guy. <laughs> we, we've been down this road before. Mm-hmm. And they figured it out from a from a pick exchange. It's so I I have not watched any of my cues. I, I fully admit it. I've perhaps failed you as an analyst. It, no, no, no. Well, it, well, it, injuries may have an issue with this too because correct what you may see on film is not what we will see at St. Joe. We hope you know, or the Chiefs hope I should say, to where you can get a better you saw a better uh, grasp of who he is or who he might be in twenty twenty one. And that's accurate. So I do have the unique perspective of being in Vikings country. Um, mm-hmm. can't throw a rock without hitting Vikings fan around here. And man, do they get mad? It's yeah. Don't throw rocks at Vikings fan set. No, <laughs> the, 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 we're all so nice up here. They, they're just like, Oh, it's probably my fault. Eh? It's, it's a good time. That's how we all talk by the way. So the thing about Mike Hughes is I've had multiple Vikings fans and this shows how important first impressions are because we're a few years down the road with Mike Hughes, but he had a good rookie year. And Vikings fans were very excited about him, his rookie year. And since then, apparently he hasn't been healthy. The line that has been said to me by four different Vikings fans, and I'm quoting verbatim here, is, ah, I hope they have a good neck surgeon. And apparently he's just been hurt. Yeah. And hurt and hurt and hurt. So 
the talents there, a lot of people I respect really liked Mike Hughes coming out. Um, he was a name that I saw a lot of people wanted the Chiefs to take a look at. And because apparently we've wanted more corners on this team forever, <laughs> forever, guys. And so I, I think there, there's definitely talent there. And there's talent there that's showing that it can perform. This is the difference between him and like DeAndre Baker. Hughes has shown he can perform at the pro level. But if you can't work out in Mike Zimmer's defense as a corner, that makes me a little like, hmm, because the man knows how to coach. Now, to be fair, he's not as hands-on with the corners as he used to be because, you know, he's the head coach. So I'm cautiously optimistic. And I, I like the idea of just getting more, get more talented bodies there, get more guys apparently from the South and just see what you can do with it. But it's one position group that I finally, this year, I'm heading into it with a different attitude than I have every other year. I have finally just accepted the fact that Brett Veach and Spagnolo's coaching staff, between the two of them, will field a competent cornerback group no matter who is out there. No matter who they are, it's just going to happen. Um, I fully expect Bo Pete Keys to turn out to be a solid but not great <laughs> player. Let me run this by you guys and see if this if this feels similar for you guys. Right now, I feel really similarly, I think, about the Chiefs' pass catchers as I do about their corners. Mm. Mm-hmm. Where very top, you feel pretty good. Less so for the corners than the pass catchers. They don't have the, the equivalent of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. But what they do have is a whole lot of dudes down the depth chart. Yeah. Who you really need one of those guys to be number three. And you'd love for one of those guys to be a good number four. And if number one or two get hurt, you are in some legitimate trouble. And and Spags isn't the the quite the Mahomes equivalent, but you know, work working with me in the in the margins there. It's why I keep bringing up Ashad Breeland and why Nate, I need you to go ahead and prepare right now to either break my heart or keep my hope alive. Because here's here's where I'm at. Oh, and and Seth also you can speak to this, this even like before Nate slow, gives us the breathing. This is like a painful breakup with you every week, Josh. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Well, because here's the thing, and here's why. Legarius Sneed had a great rookie season. I thought it was very funny when the Chiefs tweeted today about the most underrated cornerback in the NFL. They mm-hmm. quote tweeted a tweet. They had a picture of Legarius Sneed, and I just can't remember why they didn't give him the Rookie of the Year award last year on their own team. Maybe could have helped fix that. That's all right. We're all trying to find whoever did this. That's fine. I thought that was funny. Um, I almost tweeted about it and I decided I didn't want to get in another Twitter fight today after daring to tweet the words Tyree Kill and Randy Moss in the same in the same tweet. But they've got Legarius Sneed. I like Legarius Sneed a lot. He also had about a season's worth going through the playoffs and accounting for his injury, right? Of of good snaps, of great work. You love to see it. Traverius Ward is a good cornerback. He was better two years ago than he was last year, it seems. And, and Seth, you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but uh, I like I like Traverius Ward. He's not the be-all, end-all on the outside that I would have hoped maybe he could have, you know, taken steps forward into being. Rashad Fenton, a nice corner in the slot. Are you going to push Snead outside? You could do that, I guess. And then you have the return of DeAndre Baker, who I'm very optimistic about, but is also coming off of a broken leg. Like, that's a serious injury, whatever his return ends up being. You got to wonder how you come back from that. Bo Pete Keys was a seventh-round pick. You have Hughes now, where it's just a total unknown I think if if you could guarantee that the Chiefs could pick their three starters and they would they would play every single snap healthily that they would want, I would feel okay about that group. But regression and volatility, that position is such a major factor 
that I would feel so much better if every single guy on the depth chart got knocked down one spot because Bashad Breland got added back to the top of the depth chart. It, it also adds more depth by having everybody slide down a spot. So I, if, if they added Bashad Breland and some veteran edge rusher, I think everything else we would do this offseason would be nitpicking. Right yep. now, I feel like I can see a future in which a couple of maybe one guy regresses and one guy gets hurt and all of a sudden you're starting to have some legitimate questions about how the cornerbacks all work together. Um, Seth, you, you go first here on this. What, what about that would you, would you take issue with? Would you, would you critique? I wouldn't really critique any of it. Um, they are without Breland back into the fold or another kind of proven guy. They are an injury away from being in a pretty concerning position. I like Snead a lot. Um, but you know, it's a small sample size and basically everything you just said, I think is accurate. If it's, Sneed, Ward, and Fenton on the field, and all of them stay healthy, and they take ninety percent of the cornerback snaps, you know, or eighty percent or whatever, and you know, maybe the Chiefs bring in, you know, a, an extra safety at time, whatever. I'm very comfortable with that. Um, they've shown that they can get it done in his system. Elite receivers are going to victimize them a little bit, but really not that badly. Even great receivers last year, you know, you look at the Super Bowl was a disaster, but it's not like the receivers were out there killing them. You had some holding calls and stuff that I don't want to talk about. But mm-hmm. I, it just you know, there there are guys who who I think can get it done. But you are one injury away from being in a pretty unknown situation, and unknowns make me a little uncomfortable. Now you can never avoid that completely at the NFL level, but it feels like they could here <laughs> with just one simple, easy signing. But I don't know how simple or easy it is necessarily. All right, <sighs> here's what I got. Bashad Breeland and the Chiefs, still a possible thing. Um, I think in the next, it could be as soon as next coming days, could be a couple weeks. Um, there might be a bit of a, you know, subdued, but, but subdued bidding war. Um, I feel like there are some veterans who understand that. And like I said this before, um, free agency began that. Bashad Breeland really didn't want a, another one-year deal. Or it was going to have to be a two-year deal, but year one was like fully guaranteed. Um, nobody wanted to do that. The cap went down. We've been through this all before. So some veterans have, in some ways, wisened up to, well, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just stay out here. I'll just be out here living this life, waiting for these calls. And when you look up and see your depth chart isn't what it should be or isn't what you would hope, or as the scenario as Josh has laid out, then I'll be here waiting for your phone call. Um, now, some of this is, are you willing to take this all the way to June? Because most teams would like to have you in before mandatory minicamp. It appears we're going to be having mandatory minicamps this year. That would be mid to late June. So we're about a month. Uh, here's a timeline, kids. And the Chiefs will ultimately, I think, have to make a decision. Are we willing to pay? Are we willing to pay to ensure Bashad Breeland's in services? Or is that number too much and he's gonna play for enter whatever team? I don't I don't wanna say any other teams because again, he's still kind of being patient with it, understanding the situation. Um there's nothing wrong between the Breland and Chiefs relationship. I should probably mention that as well. Mm. Um, so that should give some people optimism. Um, but this is a business. And 
I think you could tell me either scenario and I probably wouldn't be that surprised. Um, but I know guys on the team probably would like to have him back, but it's a business and they just draft another cornerback and they just traded for another one. So, or they didn't draft a cornerback, excuse me, but they, they traded for another one. Um, I, you know, it, it could it could go either way. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's not the answer you want to hear, but this is this is kind of where we are based on the facts that have been presented to me. And we'll, you know, we'll call around and see what happens. Um, it's probably wise for the Chiefs to resign him. I'm sure Bashad and his representation knows this. But hey, you take that information to the Cleveland Browns. You take that information to the Colts. You take that information to stop it. The Vikings. I mean, who's who's to really say? Um, but you know, <laughs> this is where we are. I know, I know what I know what Josh wants. I, as a reporter, love talking to Rashad Breland. So I hope that opportunity presents itself in St. Joseph. But right now, very up in the air. And when you do not get the initial market that you thought you would get or that you deserved based on your production value of the position, age, the willingness to play on one of your deals and, and make it out the other side like Andy Dufresne. All right, well, I guess I'm just going to have to sit at the crib until June. Yep. Although you made a really good point, and I'll I'll, I'll talk about this while Josh recovers mentally. Um, <laughs> no, I, listen, I've, I, that's better news than what I have heard. I, I, got, I got stuff on it, but you go first. It is interesting, Nate. You commented how this offseason being kind of a weird one. Yes. You when you look at the list of free agents available, it's weird. There's there's guys here. I mean, Sheldon Richardson's still on the market. Someone had to have signed him, right? I mean, I mean, is is, is, is this list I'm looking at old? No, no. I mean, I think Melvin Ingram's still out Melvin there. Melvin Ingram, um, Brian Poole. About that. Justin, Justin Houston's still yeah, out Justin there. Yeah, Justin Houston's mean, still free. Yeah, I mean, Ryan. J.J. Wright. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Kerrigan put out on Instagram, hey, y'all, it's been a great one in Rossington. Um, sometimes you're like, well, oh, these other dudes out here, yeah, I better get this money right now. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, like, so it, yeah, it, it is, it's been a weird time. Yeah, but there's, go, go on. There's multiple guys who have, have shown they can be average corners at the NFL level that are free agents. And that's kind of interesting. I didn't even realize that, honestly, in terms of and, and there's no like stars available or anything like that. But like right. it is But dudes who could dudes who could start and you'd be cool with yeah. on a Sunday. Yeah, you know, th- yeah, there's quite a few of those at multiple positions, not notably at like left tackle. Unless you were really counting on Russell Kung to stay healthy, which again, that's why the Chiefs had to do what they did. But other positions, like you said, it seems like what happened was, you know, the free agency hits. They didn't get the offer they initially thought. Now things have cooled down. And it seems like there's a number of guys out there that are just like, you know what? I'm cool waiting. We'll and, and see. Who's, who's going to be who's gonna be willing to keep a staring contest and be like, well, I'll see you in late July because you know what? I'm too old to be out here at training camp yes. for the first week. Get out the get out of my face with this! You better come calling me after the second preseason game. Yeah, <laughs> see, and that's like a guy like Sheldon Richardson, where you're just like, it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can learn what you need me to do in a month. So, you know, I'm not going to be doing that in August. So, Nate, would you like to report on the likelihood of the Chiefs trying to reunite with Stephen Nelson? 
<laughs> guys, guys, guys. That was a 47-mile-per-hour meatball right there. Look, and look. if you swing, Nate, it's 3-0. If you swing... I'm going I'm to get Tommy Lasorda. I'm going to get Tommy Lasorda and, and I'm going to get Tommy Larissa. I don't know why I said Tommy Lasorda. That's how heated I am. I'm going to get some old white man out here to yell at you if you swing at this pitch. Oh, look, if... Why did I bring let, Tommy Lasorda into this? Let me, let me get Rick Matito out here. If Steven Nelson walks through that door, he not walking through that door. Y'all. Like, don't, don't, do this, don't do this to me. This is one of the few times where I'll tell the organization... Tommy Lasorda's dead? I should be laughing, but just your voice is, oh, God, I love you. <laughs> this is what I tell the organization. Don't you do that to me. I, I only got I only got so few on the deck of cards, but sometimes you got to lay the card down to be like, look, I heard I heard from a good friend. God bless her heart that 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 this man had changed his ways and was enjoying Pittsburgh. I'm sure you all can figure out who this young lady is. I heard what they said. I get it. I'm gonna have to lay this card down. Don't don't you do this to me. Don't 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 do this to me. He is a competent football player. I get it. He do be getting kind of torched a lot, but still, <laughs> like I only, I only have one semi like semi beef with. It just happens to be Steven Nelson, and we don't need these problems again. I don't need to walk up to this man. In the locker room again? Don't do this to me. Look, here's the card. I ain't going to play it until maybe, maybe Thanksgiving. Andy, don't practice on Thanksgiving. Don't do not do this to me. Don't do this to my family. Or don't sign Steven Nelson. This has gotten way too inside information. It is okay. Um, But he may take it to the crib. Uh, look, I know Steven. He may take it to the crib. All training camp. I'm just, oh, hey. Hey, you want to be out here chasing Tyreek Hill? You go ahead and you do that. Yeah, you want to pull your hamstring in the hot sun with no hydration? Go ahead and do that. Then you give your boy a call. First of all, rest in peace, Tommy Lasorda. That's <laughs> my, that's I like to say that first. Um, and also, uh, Tony Larue said, "I don't. I hope it's. I hope nothing in your life is peaceful. You're a grouchy old man, and I hate you." So, with those two things being said, <laughs> and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Directv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Directv has the most MLB games. Visit Directv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think the reason that I'm so heated about the Bashad Breland thing is, I, I mean, it's multifaceted, but it's a bunch of things working together that I feel like every single person I get to agree with on on uh, every step of the way. Like, you know the, uh, you know the meme of SpongeBob with the... Or it's Patrick with the driver's license yes. from SpongeBob with, the, with what's his name, and and, and he's his wallet won't he won't give it to him he won't take it. He's like okay, so just walk, just give me guys, give me some yes and some yes or no answers on this thing. So, um, the Chiefs would benefit from having a starting caliber veteran cornerback. Yes, they don't have they don't have such a player on their roster. And it would ideally even be good to have someone who has been a proven commodity in the system, right? 
Yes. And as, as you know, uh, as Steve Spagnuolo says, I mean, hey, 26, 21, breezy. I mean, you got to, I mean, who doesn't love, who, he calls the man breezy. He calls him by his rap name. Yes. Uh, and, you know, last year that was like a huge deal. You know, continuity was like seen at this big advantage, right? Correct. And Bashad Breeland probably wouldn't come through at like a tremendously high price for like a three or four year long deal, right? Correct. So why won't they sign Bashad Breeland? <laughs> like, it, it's, it's ju- it just seems like one of the... It you know, seems like one of the biggest issues remaining here with one of the simplest answers. So like on the edge, right? I, I don't know that Melvin Ingram's going to be healthy and good. I, I don't. I, I just don't know that. I don't know that Justin Houston is interested or that he would be able to produce at a level that would be a significant step up. I don't know if the Chiefs are interested. I just, I don't know. A whole bunch of those guys that, that have, have come and gone throughout the free agent market as edge rushers. I just don't fully know. I feel like Bashad Breland, not currently on this roster, is is probably the most sure thing at the Chiefs cornerback position and would be a sure thing to bring in who's still available at a price that seems ridiculously manageable for the value that he would immediately bring back to this defense. Like that's that's just where I keep getting hung up. Is it just seems like one of those things where to to not bring back Breland would be trying to get about 15% too smart for their own good. Patience, my friend. Patience. <laughs> that was my I, I slow would, exhale. I would just say in terms of the, the Breland discourse, I've been surprised at the number of people that have said things to me like, oh, you know, he's not very good, et cetera, et cetera. And I just, I, I, I want to emphasize one more time, competent, not great, not even like really, really good, but competent cornerback play competent consistent cornerback play yeah is valuable yeah and i want to make two legitimate points here that are not you know sort of comically given out but the the two things are we always talk about like an unnecessary shot at me no it's mostly (laughs) me (laughs) self-deprecating about my own ability to relay information uh (laughs) let me give it to you straight all right first one is we always talk about the position room and this is a legitimate thing in the locker room and among the coaching staff. And obviously the front office understands this as well. But the position room has to have somebody who can connect the coach to the players. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you could say in most times for the Chiefs, it is a DB room. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is someone in the cornerback section who needs to connect the coaching staff, and the players give encouragement, take rookies under their wing, understand the challenges of facing this receiver this week versus that wide receiver last week or the week ahead. And this is a Bashad Breeland role that you just can't see as a fan. You you, you just can't, okay? And you could say that, yes, Tyron Matthew is the leader of the DBs. Um, There's a point that I think Juan Thornhill said, and this is – sort of part two to this, but there's a point that Mont Thornhill said that we don't say cornerback safety. Mm. We say DB. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that. The one kind of parentheses here is unless you play outside cornerback. And if you play outside cornerback, you a corner. Okay. Mm-hmm. You kind of on the Island, everything 
within that, yes, is essentially a DB, whether you're a slot, whether you're a dime, whether you're high-end safety, whether you're in the box. I mean, Tyron Matthew does so many roles in the secondary that on a sheer look of it from the playbook is just wildly impressive. But he does not play outside corner. You know who does that? You know who's a veteran of that? You know who's supposed to be the leader of that? You know the one who we don't have to worry about that? Not to say he a shut down. You ain't even got to like look at him from a quarterback standpoint. But somebody that, as Seth alluded to, is competent. We ain't got to really worry about him because he's going to be on that field. That is Bashad Breeland. And that, that goes for the same two years ago when the team brought McCole Hartman in under uh, a bit of a tizzy. From a circumstantial place, but once Tyreek Hill came back in training camp, it was very much made aware to Tyreek, you need to be a leader for McColl to speed up the process, and you're going to ask that of Anthony Hitchens with Nick Bolton. You're going to ask that of, really, a lot of guys, most notably Patrick Mahomes, Orlando Brown, for the rest of the offensive line with a connector to the players and the coaching staff. And his name is Laurent Duverday-Tardif. You do not think of these things, but these things kind of matter. Um, so that's the role that no stat can show you, no film can show you. You you kind of got to be there. And again, it would be wise of everybody if they can make it work. I know people get impatient, but patience here is probably wise. And you see where the numbers are and you see where it plays out. But if Bashad Breeland does not return, and if Steven Nelson does not walk through that door, you're going to put an even bigger onus on Tyron Matthew to get everybody in line. And you're kind of forcing someone like Legereus Need perhaps more responsibility than what should be given in year two, despite a wildly impressive rookie season. I'm okay being patient, it, depending on where it ends, which I guess maybe might not be the exact a definition of patience it's results-based patience i guess i'll be patient and at the end of it all if I, if the patience is rewarded with the chief signing michelle breeland then i'm cool and if we get there and they don't and there's still a hole there i'm gonna worry about it for whatever portion of the the offseason and preseason that's that's there remaining so uh we can leave that there let's talk about the schedule a little bit you guys talk about the schedule the order the chiefs will play the football games how excited are you oh i mean can they change the schedule if Denver gets a new quarterback? <laughs> I mean, I guess they could, but yeah, Probably. I'm really excited about this. I'm, I'm really excited about the schedule. Uh, I heard that somebody on this podcast may be in town for the Cleveland opener. I mean, I live here, so. Oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> You're the only other one on the podcast! <laughs> I'm sorry, my memories popped up on Facebook and my daughter was, I mean, she's so cute. You had been so quiet for so long. There were a couple little gaps where I thought you might jump in and you didn't that I I literally checked the Zoom to see if you had to leave. I've been working on not interrupting people as much. Except you, apparently, whom I just interrupted to share that information with. Yes, I am going to be at the home opener. And before anyone asks... I don't think that doing the ghost pepper thing while I'm in Kansas City is a good idea based on the people I've talked to who have done it. I apparently am going to need a 24 hours afterward. Coward! Oh, sorry, man. I got something in my nose. 
<laughs> you know what? I am 36 years old. I have five kids. I do not. I am not goaded by, by that. That does not even bother me. I got another sneeze coming. Hold on. What are you afraid of? Sure, oh, sure. Boy, I think you need a tissue there, buddy. Um, yeah, I sure do. So, but to get that out of the way. But yes, I, I'll probably be there for training camp at some point as well. Maybe that way we can record, you know, outdoors in like 100 degrees in the shade again. And I start to like literally melt midway through. That was a delete. <laughs> we, we, oh, man. That was I was getting real tired. Like I was not okay. It's like, I think Seth's heart rate has slowed way down. Like we, we need to get him out of the heat. But I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, uh, shout out to someone who I'm assuming might want to remain anonymous for um, inviting me to go along with them to a game. Um, it's going to be a hoot and a half. I'm excited. So that's the home opener. Cleveland will be coming to Kansas City. A pretty good home opener, I think. Like it's, yeah. a, it's a good team in a rematch of a playoff yeah. game. But it's not It's not using the best bullet in the chamber right out of the gate. Yep. Uh, but, but the Chiefs go... Uh, Browns at home at Ravens versus Chargers at Eagles versus Bills to start the first five weeks of the season there. You expect them to go handle business at Philly, certainly. But starting with Cleveland, Baltimore, Justin Herbert's Chargers, and and then eventually the Bills there in week five. It's an interesting first five weeks out of the gate. Like that should be a, a legitimate, like a ton of fun that also will give us a chance to panic if they slip up one of those games. Yeah, and this is this is where the league does a does a really uh, wise and sneaky job of saying, "Look, guys, they can't host a four straight AFC Championship game, right? Right? All right, who who they opponents? All right, uh, can we get them to start like three and two? Can we? Can we? <laughs> how can we get them to three and two? How can we get some you know some intrigue?" coming down the stretch where it's not so overt that they just out here murking people. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's a fun schedule. Um, I think there's a, there's a possibility involved where uh, similar to 2019 for non Patrick Mahomes injuries, where there's going to be some like real swing games, right, Josh? I, I think, yeah. In, in 2019, that Minnesota Vikings game was a swing game. Yes. Um, huge, and then Mahomes comes. Yeah, Mahomes comes back, and that actually proves to be a swing game because somehow Tennessee still won that game. Oh, um, and that was like, and again, kids, when they have the Patrick Mahomes documentary, I just want to be David Aldridge, who was like, mm-hmm. "Do you remember the Tennessee game in 19?" Oh, uh, because then the the I think that's the most angry I've seen Patrick Mahomes in a locker room after the game. And kids, they didn't lose another game that year. <laughs> so, so there's going to be. We could some... probably get into the eventual Patrick Mahomes documentary, don't I, you think? Can I? Can I be the? Can I? Can I just be David Aldridge? Can, can I, I think? Can I reserve that spot? Uh, here's here's my question. What if they just have a, they they just give they put three stools out there and the three of us just answer their questions collectively as a hive mind. Oh. And oh. Can you that's kind of like that's kind of like the Tiger that? Woodstock, right? That's yeah. kind of like the Tiger Woodstock. Like just give us a nice little backdrop and yep. then we can say very very nice things that have nothing in relation to the documentary I just referenced. <laughs> but but that would be that'd be really cool. Okay, somebody send this out 10, 20 years from now. I just want I just want to be I just want to be David Aldridge where I'm just like, do you remember the, the Titan game where they 
They threw the ball to, they tried to throw the ball to Blake Bell. And Patrick was so angry that I saw this man drink a bottle of water as no other human being I've seen before. <laughs> and then they didn't lose another game. <laughs> so and then and then they, and then I could be like, did you, and then they played the Titans in the AFC Championship game, and he literally pulled off the greatest play he's ever done to that point. <laughs> and then the look on Mike Rabel's face, we ain't got to play the second half. Kids, second half is just for commercials, okay? We don't need to play the second half of the 2019 AFC Championship game. The game's already over. Um, Nate, so, I, hate to, I hate to correct you really quick, but it's it's actually pronounced Mike Variable. Oh, that's right. That's right. Thank you. You're you're a professional at this. Uh Nothing, Seth. Not even no, a. That was good. Uh, you're doing good. You're making a good podcast. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> the, the best. The but I think the best part of this of this upcoming schedule is uh, the Raiders are still kind of in the same boat. The Broncos are kind of in the same boat unless we know something changes. So they should win the division. Mm-hmm. Um, can I make a bold statement that I've thought about for a month, even before yes. the schedule came out, fellas? Yes. 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 All right, Chiefs fans, on May 19th, I'm giving you the context of what the Chiefs season should be, whether it is a full-on success or not. And you're not going to like it, but this is this is the reality. And I got a couple stories in mind to sort of bear this out. The bold thing here is the only thing that matters based on NFL history the construction of this roster and how other teams in the conference are around them in the contender pile. The whole season comes down to whether or not the Chiefs can make the AFC championship game again. That is, that is the entire season kids. What I would like, what I know the league would love is the chiefs to scratch and claw their way to the AFC Championship game, but it's not an arrowhead. Which means the Chiefs, like a dream scenario for Roger Goodell, for CBS, is Jim Nance saying, we're alive in Buffalo, New York, Mm -hmm. for the AFC Championship game, a rematch of last year and a recall to the 1993 season, and the Kansas City Chiefs, can they ride again on pedigree, a superstar quarterback, a Hall of Fame coach, and whoever is injured or not, can they can they push down the Bills for one more year and ultimately alter the franchise of that team's trajectory moving forward? Or are the Bills going to be the first truly triumphant team in the AFC to knock down the Chiefs, similar to how it took Peyton Manning more years than you can remember to beat the Tom Brady Patriots. I mean, this is this is this is building up to that. I don't know if the Baltimore Ravens are going to be good enough to host the AFC Championship game. That would be a bit of a surprise. But I do think the whole season comes down to it's a successful season if that team gets back to a fourth AFC Championship game. Because it's so hard to do that for four straight years, let alone host it. For three and win two of them, well, so it's, it's literally it had literally never happened to host three in a row. Correct, and so hosting so, four in a row. I mean, we're talking unprecedented stuff. Yeah, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick never did this, y'all. So again, I just want to tell people 
The season is a success if they make it to the AFC Championship. Anything after that is legitimately gravy, legitimately luck, or holy smokes, Patrick Mahomes is who we already know him to be. Mm-hmm. And this just further demonstrates that. I It's worth noting, like since we're talking about schedule stuff, because you talked about swing games and that kind of thing, and how brutal the early schedule is. Because it is. I mean, those first five weeks... Um, and you could even include, I mean, Washington's got a great defense. Tennessee's mm-hmm. been a playoff team. Um, through the first seven weeks, you've got some problems. And then week eight, you know, the Giants and nine, then Green Bay. Here's what I would say. The Chiefs don't, they only have one division game until week 10. And unless, you know, we something crazy happens with Denver, right? You know, they, boy, they think they're going to get Aaron Rodgers. They must. They can't. I don't know what else they could possibly be thinking. But anyway, barring something crazy from them or the Raiders being way better than expected, maybe playing the Chiefs really tough again this year, I think a lot of teams, when you look at the Chiefs' schedule weeks 10 through 18, boy, is that going to take some getting used to. Um, (laughs) You're talking Vegas, Dallas, Denver, Vegas, Chargers, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Denver. You never know what things will look like once the season starts, of course. But that's not really a murderer's row, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. there are a lot of teams out there. You know, Nate, you're talking about like what the expectations are, that kind of stuff. That 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 Buffalo game is pretty early. There's going to be a lot of time, but yep. there's going to be a lot of teams watching to see what the Chiefs' record is come like week ten, because then they'll be in a position to where like unless they lose games, they shouldn't. To just run amok down the stretch. And so I would even look at like that week nine Green Bay game is going to be a, a big deal, you know, in terms of the home field advantage stuff. Um, And I just, it's it's interesting because it's a really tough schedule early, but on paper, it's not that tough late. Depending on what you think of Pittsburgh, um, mm-hmm. which... Oh, I got I got opinions. <laughs> I've got some too. Not <laughs> super highly. Like, if you remind how me, how old yeah. is how old is my quarterback who been taking I'm, hits for two decades? I'm I, I I finished last year legitimately bummed that Pittsburgh stumbled so badly down the stretch because I think last year's Chiefs team injuries and no injuries would have buzzsawed through that Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh team. Um, similar to what they were on their way to doing to Cleveland when when Mahomes got hurt. Yeah. Um, and similar now, to what they did to the Bills, honestly. Yeah. So so prepare yourself, Josh. Prepare yourself, fans. Uh-oh. The Chiefs might lose. The Chiefs might lose to the Bills early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that and again that sets up everything for CBS. <laughs> like yep. it just it just does. Like, I'm not saying there's going to be some officiating chicanery, but it could occur. Because oh, uh, that game's at home, right? Yes. Uh, if the if the Bills oh, beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, have that tiebreaker, force them to get on a plane in January because they ain't been on planes in January the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just I, I've thought about this for a while. It just sets up everything in a way that I can just see. I can just see. It, it is so reminiscent of of 2006, where Tom Brady walks in to the RCA dome. It is just like, I don't care. I got Rasheed Caldwell and a bunch of scrubs and we going we still gonna get this dub. And then we're up 21 to three. <laughs> and it took, it, it's one of the most mentally brilliant games because it wasn't just, 
it wasn't just Peyton. It was I'm gonna say his name. It was it was, Mar- it was Marvin Harrison. It was it was it was it was Reggie Wayne. It was just Saturday. It took the whole collective, and obviously the head coaching staff or the coaching staff. Obviously, it took the whole collective to beat that juggernaut, and they and they they earned it. And I just want to know: Can the Bills earn it? Can the Ravens earn it? I'm I'm sorry, Cleveland. Y'all y'all not ready for this. <laughs> like I just I, I need to see more. But between those two teams, most notably the Bills. Can they, as a collective, earn it? Because it's going to be a wild four-year run. And look, Tom Brady did not go to three straight Super Bowls early on. He just didn't. It just it it the odds are very much against you. So I just again, whatever happens, I just want to be there, Lord willing, late January with Tony Romo and <laughs> Jim Nance. And just look at that crowd in Buffalo and the buildings hopping before kickoff. I just I just want to see that and who who can rise to the occasion in a moment when if the Bills lose that game, much like if the Colts had lost that game, whoo, things get real dark. Real dark. And it's cold there. Jesus, it gets dark. So I, I just want to see it. <laughs> I mean, you can win it all you want. It's just not going to happen because the Chiefs are going 17-0 in the first ever 17-game season. So I don't really feel like it's worth spending all that time talking about. But I mean, I guess that's fine. Uh, no, I, I, I think it's a, uh, it'll be a very fun start. For me, I think the most important thing, the only thing that I really care about on a regular season basis is do the Chiefs get the first round by and home field advantage for potential AFC championship game for a whole bunch of the reasons that you just laid out. Yeah. So yep. um, it's it's pretty interesting. I think we pretty much covered the, the whole gamut of it there. It's a, a tough first five-game stretch. Uh, they do not play on Halloween or Christmas or Thanksgiving. There is a God, and he wants us to be happy. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Um, and then they ended out with, like you said, a bunch of divisional games and on the, also the Steelers and Bengals. Their bye week is in week 12, which comes right before a triple header of divisional games. Raiders, Chiefs, uh, or uh, Broncos at Chiefs, Raiders at Chiefs, Chiefs at Chargers, Thursday Night Football. But uh, coming off a of bye, I, I think the Chiefs are going to handle all three of those games. Although at Chargers on a short week, that's tough. Going yeah, to the, yeah, that will that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we'll we'll wrap it up on that note. Uh, who knew that we were going to find plenty to talk about over the course of this episode? Seems like it makes sense. And also included 15 minutes of uh, LeBron and Jordan, which was the exact thing I didn't really want to do. So, you know, <laughs> nobody's perfect. Uh, for more of all of this, you can you can read what Nate wrote about rookie minicamps up on The Athletic right now. Seth has a piece on The Athletic as well about the Chiefs draft class. In addition to a new piece up on the Chief of the North newsletter about Trey Smith, you can go to mnchiefsfan.substack.com for that. Uh, Seth, before the show, you said there were two topics you kind of wanted to talk about here tonight, and, and uh, we did we talked about zero of them. So better luck next time. I'll leave it in my notes. <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back on that one next time around, and uh, and we'll leave it there. So, Nate, if you can uh, wrap us up, send us out, tell me that Bashad Breeland's going to be your chief and everything's okay. Um, Sure. Uh, Again, patience. And just lastly, if if LeBron James loses in the play-in game, who the takes? The takes. The takes. Um, I just, I mean, gotta hope. I, I just, I'm so excited for this game. But guys, uh, can you imagine if LeBron James lost in a play-in game? <laughs> would, Jordan, would Jordan lose in a play-in game? Uh, no, he never. Nate, he would. Not. He never had such because he was never in a game <laughs> seven in the finals. You think Jordan would be in a play-in game? That's the 
crazy, guys. I thought for sure Jordan played more seasons than he won champion. I guess he won every championship he played in. This is a wild thing. But there, he would, if, if he was on this earth in his prime, there would be no playing for Michael <laughs> Jeffrey Jordan. <laughs>